1: TCL is a proud
2: sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand.
3: It's Purple Daily. I don't know how much he changed. I just think he stayed on the grind. You know, he and I have had some great conversations. You know, I I know early in the season I I made a comment to him after one of the disappointing games, whether it was Green Bay or Chicago. I said, you know what, Kirk, we just got to keep going right back to those situations and we'll we'll get over the hump. We'll we'll improve those situations. So I think it's his commitment to do that, his confidence and you know, what we're doing, his confidence in his team to, to help him get over the hump in some of those situations I think has been really important.
1: Okay, that was Gary Kubiak. He still does exist. He talked today. Matthew Collar and ESPN's Courtney Cronin in for the show. This will be my last one before I'm taking a couple days off. Rami's going to be in for me the next two days here on Purple Daily. Alex Boone will join at three. And I want to get right into the poll that I put out because we talked a lot with Gary Kubiak about Kirk Cousins and the season that he is putting together. Here's what I put out there. And this is always a sign that you know you got a good topic to discuss because uh, we're at 47% yes and 53% no on whether... Vikings fans would sign Kirk Cousins to a contract extension today. Like if Kirk Cousins, his agent, said to the Vikings, yeah, I'll sign a five-year extension if you guys put it on the table in the bye week, would you say, all right, Kirk, let's sign it up? And the fans seem to be split basically 50-50 on this one, almost 500 votes on Twitter. So where do you want to start with this conversation, Courtney, on whether the Vikings will sign Kirk Cousins to a contract extension and whether he's done enough to prove that he should be the long-term quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings.
0: Well I'll start with the fact that that's exactly what I thought this fan base and people just partaking in the poll I thought that's where it would be because we've seen enough so far through however many games it's been since the turnaround in week five or week what week 12 now so that's seven games in there uh, to see that when things are right, when the scheme works, when when Kirk is in a good situation, he's a really darn good quarterback, arguably one of the best at performing under those circumstances, um, as we've seen just kind of from the statistical production over those weeks. But you have a five-game stretch coming up that's going to determine his long-term future. Like I'm not of the belief right now that you sign him to an extension. I think you have to see whether this is a guy that down the stretch, let's say week 16, 17... Those are games that you need to get into the playoffs. Like if they fumble or if, if they falter in Seattle, if they if they lose a game between that stretch of Seattle, Detroit, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, and then you have that Monday night game against Green Bay, and then a closeout game against Chicago in Week 17. I want to see him handle those situations personally. When when this whole thing was coming into discussion this offseason, thinking, okay, well, what is it going to take now that we are in year two to get Kirk Cousins a contract extension? So he's not a lame duck quarterback going into year three. To me, it was a playoff win. It's not just getting to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. It's getting that one win that he has never been able to get over his time as a starter. And I still honestly believe that because if you don't make the playoffs, it is an incredible disappointment at this point. Yes, But if you get there and you lose, I still think that there's going to be some doubt out there that he is the long-term answer.
1: So let's start on the no side then. Okay, I mean, if you are selecting no that means that you want to see the rest of it yeah. and this stretch is not going to be super easy. Uh they will beat the Chargers by 7 points because everyone beats the Chargers <laughs> by 7 points yeah. so we already know the results of that game. Uh Detroit played them tough the first time. I wouldn't expect that they just roll over. They played Dallas tough the other day. Uh we're going to see a, a really really difficult Seattle team that's one of the best in the NFL. You're going to see Green Bay again. And that week 17, even if Chicago is a disaster, we know that they always have the capability of shutting down Kirk Cousins. So it is not a super easy stretch. There's a long way to go here. I tend to agree with you in the way that the team and ownership would be looking at it. Mm -hmm. They know they could make the playoffs. They made the playoffs with Case Keenum. It's whether they could get over the hump and actually win and do something in the playoffs with this quarterback. And his history is that that does not happen. That when there are big games that are must-win, he has not performed particularly well. And sure, a game against Dallas where he's good in the bright lights, okay, congratulations, that's a good win for you. But that's not the same as last year, Week 17, win and you're in the playoffs. That's not the same as the playoff game he was in. In Washington against yeah, Green, Bay, Green Bay, in which they blew a double-digit lead. Or the Week 17 game against the New York Giants that they needed to win and in in uh, 2016, and they didn't come out with a win. And these are always the conversations about Cousins, is whether you can trust him in those types of games, not can he put up huge numbers in the second half when Denver isn't trying to stop mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs from catching 40- or 50-yard passes. And when you go back and look at Case Keenum's numbers across the board in 2017, This is like the redux here. I mean, Case Keenum won 12 games. They give him credit for 11, but he also won the the game in in Chicago. Chicago, So he goes 12-3. and He had a 98.3 quarterback rating, and pro football focus that year graded Case Keenum 7th best in the NFL, 7th best quarterback in the league that year. And the Vikings said, you know what, not quite good enough because he couldn't get us over the hump when our defense struggled. Right now, Kirk Cousins is fifth by Pro Football Focus and has numbers that are reflective of an MVP quarterback. He's got 21 touchdowns, three picks. He has a quarterback rating of 114, which is way up at the top of the NFL. I mean, but you could sort of make the same argument that you can get there, but can you get any farther that would determine it? Now, I guess I would ask off of that, is that really super fair to only judge it off of potentially one playoff game. Is that smart?
0: No, not necessarily, but look at the window that you have. This team does not have a very, very much longer to make a Super Bowl. Not with this current roster, because you're going to be in rebuild mode soon. Your defense, most of it, is on the other side of 30, or getting there. You have a lot of contracts coming due with guys that either want to restructure, or guys that you're going to have to decide about whether you're going to extend. Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook included in that, but... The window to do it is now. They knew when they signed him to a three-year contract, Like, there's a reason it was three years. And that's not just Kirk trying to, to get the out to bet on himself beyond that. They could have given him a $120 million deal and made it four years, five years, and he probably would have signed it. It's a three-year deal in a three-year window because that's about all this team has with its current group to determine, hey, either we do it now or we're going to have to tear the thing down and, and just start the studs because it just isn't going to get... You're just not going to have that much longer with your current group. So I look at it as a high-stakes situation that they, put, they willingly put themselves into. Like, you had the excuse of year one in 2018 thinking, okay, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, a whole lot of new. Maybe it doesn't go right this first year. Okay, well, what can we learn from? Well, we have the learning experience. Now in year two, put up or shut up, essentially. That's, to me, the message that they had here. And if they don't get it by year two, then you're looking at year three thinking, hey... This is probably where we're going to be as a franchise with this quarterback, that it might not be a Super Bowl winning team. But then, like, how do you rewrite the script beyond that? Like, that's to mm-hmm. me is changing your identity beyond year three if you don't get where you th- realistically thought you were going to get with Kirk Cousins. But I do, I mean, is it doable right now? I mean, the NFC is a weird place. Mm-hmm. It is a weird conundrum where teams lose to the Chargers like Green Bay did, and then you have these insane situations with Chicago and the Rams and teams that have been way below expectations and the Vikings, you know, historic-type comeback against a three-win, nothing-to-lose Denver team. I mean, it's been such a conundrum. So it's not like the AFC where you say, okay, the Ravens and the Patriots are eons ahead of everybody else. We know those are our two teams. I honestly think the field right now between the six that are currently slated in playoff seeds, any of those teams could probably go to a Super Bowl.
1: And based on the last couple of weeks... I mean, the fact that you had to come down from 20 and the fact that Dallas had the ball in your red zone sitting there with a chance to beat you, and Jason Garrett took that chance away and Kellen Moore by handing off to Ezekiel Elliott twice, that might cause some hesitation for how good they really are. Now, the numbers on offense are just tremendous. I mean, they're one of the best. Yeah,
0: they're a ninth ranked offense right
1: now. Right. One of the best and most explosive offenses in the entire NFL. But in the first half against Denver, you couldn't move the football. And against Kansas City, you have one of those classic Kirk looks, and you have to turn to throwing a bunch of screens to sort of get him out of that funk. In Green Bay and in Chicago, there are long stretches where he just doesn't look very good or or capable of putting up points. And even though eventually you sort of work your way out of those, except for in Chicago, Mm -hmm. and give yourself a chance to win at KC and at Green Bay, it still sort of screamed. This is what it could look like in the playoffs. And on Sunday, if you're just analyzing Cousins, he does a great job in the second half of bringing you back. But he absolutely got you in that position. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could blame the defense for allowing some points to Brandon Allen, but your quarterback. They
0: had six possessions, and they went. They punted on all of them.
1: Right, and fumbled and on fumbled, one of them yeah. too. And 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 those long stretches. Have been, there has been a tendency for those to happen just in the Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota that where you separate kind of how it looked from what the numbers eventually say. And when they've played really bad defenses, they have absolutely lit them up. But guess what? In the playoffs, there won't be any bad defenses. Mm-hmm. When he was with Washington, same thing. There won't be bad defenses once you get to the playoffs or Week 17 last year. you got to beat a good defense, and he wasn't able to do it. That If your ultimate goal and your belief is you have good enough players, good enough coaches to win a Super Bowl or at least get to one, if that's ownership standard, and you go into the first round of the playoffs and Cousins looks like he did on Sunday where it's very uh, shaky in the pocket and he sacked and he fumbled. If that happens and you lose by two scores in the playoffs, I don't think anybody's showing up at his door the next day with a contract extension, even if he leads the NFL in quarterback rating. And here's the precedent for this. In Kansas City in 2017, Alex Smith led the NFL in quarterback rating, and they still said, now nah, we're going to Patrick Mahomes.
0: But I mean, like, this is the most basic point that you're making, and I'm not criticizing the point. I'm just saying this is what Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer said at the combine 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. What the hell does that mean? It means absolutely jack squat. Until you win a game, until you win a playoff game, until you have a winning record, and you make it to the postseason, and you have something to show for that. Like, we're going backwards here when we ask this question, because at this point, and I remember I asked Gary Kubiak, or was it Spielman that I asked this today, just about the whole next-level narrative? Yeah. Yep. Like, how do you know he's at next level? Why? Well, and, and, and truth be told, he's playing really well right now. Like, Incredible statistics. Like, I'm honestly kind of surprised more people when you bring up the MVP conversation or that he's having an MVP-like season. he's His name really hasn't been thrown around yet, and I get it. It's, it's such a heavy field, uh, top one through five, but not even kind of a, hey, what about a dark, dark, dark horse candidate in Kirk Cousins? And I don't know if that's whether people believe that there will be some point of regression, but also we were talking about this guy as a game manager in the first four weeks of the season. And whether the Vikings could kind of own up to that and work around it. Like, it's been 10, 12 weeks now. or We're entering the 12th week of this experiment in year two where I think people are just still a little gun-shy to go all in. And yeah, he has a really good body of work to show since week five. And it's done really, really well when they're throwing in bootlegs and they're using a lot of play action and they're rolling him to his left and he's making throws on the run. But this next stretch of the season is going to determine whether they can get as far as they want to with Kirk Cousins. And I just don't know if you can make that decision just yet until you see how he handles Seattle coming out of a bye week. I mean, if the offense comes out the way it did against Denver, it will lose. And it will, that game will be lost before halftime. So I think that bottom line here, the numbers are great right now. They've been really good his entire career. That's why he's everybody's favorite fantasy football quarterback. Mm-hmm. But what do those translate to if it's not getting you to the postseason? Why'd you sign him? If you want somebody who can put up Alex Smith-like QBR, go find that guy and and see if he can get you to the postseason. Because just seeing from the way history, looking at that angle, that didn't work out for the Kansas City
1: Chiefs. And there have been many quarterbacks who fall into this same category, and it's hard to know exactly what to do with any of them. And, and what I mean is the ones that you are sure can put up great numbers and have great seasons when everything goes right around them. And aside from an Adam Thielen injury, which everyone has one injury... Um, everything has gone right around him. Stefan Diggs is playing incredible football. Gary Kubiak is here, and Kevin Stefanski has emerged as a head coaching uh, potential. Irv Smith has been a huge hit. He's been great at a completely different element to your offense. The offensive line has been average, which is a massive improvement from where it was last year, and of course Delvin Cook has drawn the attention of everybody uh, on the opposing defenses, and, and that's been a huge deal for Kirk Cousins to have the type of success that he's had, and Keenum is the great example of how you can have an average quarterback in terms of talent or in Keenum's case probably a below average who has a great season and it sort of spikes with his career and you reach the peak of where you're at but when you get into those playoff games which Keenum nearly threw away uh, against New Orleans but mm-hmm. you know needed a miracle to win that one and then goes to Philly and is completely shut down like the fear is that Cousins even though more talented falls into that same Matt Stafford, Derek Carr type of, like, yes, he's good, and yes, he can win you a certain amount of games, but can he really get you any farther, like the guys uh, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady? And if you're only shooting for that, though, that's really, really tough. That's
0: what I mean. It's like you're going to fall more on the, i take the field, because you're never going to get those top five guys. Like, they're already signed on to different franchises. There's a very unlikely chance that they become available in free agency unlike the Drew Brees situation the other 2 years ago but we knew he was going back to the Saints like you're never if you if those guys are already accounted for and you have the rest of the field you're probably taking a chance on somebody who is more likely to regress to the mean than to get you over the hump and just become this gigantic surprise because he hasn't done it at any other point of his career so i think that there is the argument of signing him right now because you know that hey Compar- comparatively speaking to the rest of the league, this is this is good. This is on the vo- ver- verge of being great. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know if you're ever going to truly have that comfort level where you're going to know that he can be one of those guys that can get you out of any situation. Um Just because those guys are so few and far between. They just don't they're not you can't find them that often.
1: Well the price tag really matters too. Well sure, because Uh, they're like four million
0: under the cap already for for next year. Over the cap. Yeah,
1: and and to extend him would be forty million is where I'm putting it. I think it's in that ballpark because Russell Wilson got thirty five. Kirk's going to want to be the highest paid player ever at the moment sure. he signs the deal.
0: Well, all quarterbacks end up being that, right? Like, yeah. How, what would you? What do you think the extension is? Because right now he's he had a three year deal, It's all fully guaranteed. I think he's going to want all fully guaranteed again. Because oh, sure. He set the yeah. Precedent for himself. Yep, exactly.
1: Uh, well, let me ask you this before we set the exact sort of number and then sure. decide based on that, because we know it's going to be really expensive. I'm going to give you some quarterbacks, and you tell me whether you would give them forty million. Let's just decide it's forty million because over I, over what? Let's Who, say three more years. Okay. Okay. Would you do it for Matt Ryan? It's a tough one. it's a hard one. one. I think Um, Matt Ryan is actually a lot like Kirk Cousins. Yeah,
0: he is. And he signed his deal right after Kirk. And in
1: this very offense, the Shanahan-style offense, he had 117 quarterback rating in 2016, but then the offensive coordinator left and that dropped to 91. Does that sound to you like, what's going to happen here? Probably. Uh, right I mean doesn't that well, happen
0: usually I mean I think Stefanski's
1: going to be somewhere else next year
0: Yeah and Clint Kubiak could potentially become the next offensive coordinator and Gary stays on
1: Cuz you're really you're trying keeping, to project quite a ways down yeah, the road here
0: And I think that they would make a point to keep Kirk within the system because they know changing him it's like the the kid person with divorced parents sending <laughs> the kid back and forth to each yes. house and it's like it's there's no stability Yes Like I think that they look at that situation and think hey we found something that worked we need to keep it in place because Kevin Stefanski is going to end up getting offers. I mean, look, at the yeah. Dallas game itself is enough to get a few phone calls. So, I mean, yeah, I would... For Matt... For... For Matt Ryan, sure. I will go ahead and say... That, yeah, I would give him that extension. Because, I mean, he is still part of that group. of I'd put him as a top 15 quarterback. So. I would.
1: Okay. I, I also think that Matt Ryan is kind of a, a little bit richer man's version than Kirk Cousins. I think he's Mobility a
0: Mobility-wise, better- no.
1: No, he's not. But I think he's a better NFL quarterback. Like he's been okay. to a Super Bowl. He's had 13 three seasons. He led the NFL in quarterback rating. He's been a long time. He's got much better PFF scores historically than than Cousins. But he's still sort of in that same ballpark of when he's got the right system. He really needs that to succeed. How about Jimmy Garoppolo? Would you give him 4 a year? No. How about Jared Goff? No. How about Derek Carr? No. These are the guys who profile similarly to Kirk I g- Cousins. I, I, I
0: give Dak that, though, if we're, if we're throwing it out I think Dak there. is better.
1: I think Dak is more dynamic, is the way I would put it.
0: I just yeah. I just say it because I, you know, he's coming up for... Yes, and I, and I would pay Dak after, so. after
1: what we've seen. Yeah. But Derek Carr, in his best years, puts up similar numbers mm-hmm. and similar PFF grades to Kirk Cousins. Derek,
0: I'm sorry, Derek Carr is a worse quarterback than Kirk Cousins. I've watched both. And I, I watched Derek Carr in his best season as a pro, and I still think that Kirk has many steps ahead of him So I, in a lot of categories. I tend
1: to agree that he's better, but I think on paper he's very similar. And I think it's sure. circumstance that causes him to be either really good or kind of meh. I mean, this year he's 10th by PFF as 105 quarterback rating with a team that doesn't have had, anywhere near the weapons that the Vikings do.
0: And they have the second easiest second half schedule of any team in the NFL.
1: So, uh, how about Jared Goff?
0: No, I said no.
1: But Jer- but Jared Goff. Now, take a look, though, at Jared Goff's statistics over the last two years. And, and here's the point that I'm getting to that would be your nightmare scenario is that your perfect marriage of Cousins Stefanski and Kubiak and Diggs and Thielen mm-hmm. and Irv Smith and, and everything they've got, Delvin Cook, that it is just all coming together the way that Atlanta did in 2016 or the Los Angeles Rams did last year. Jared Goff last year, 101 quarterback rating, 13-3. and The year before that, 11-4. and And he gets to the Super Bowl, which everybody would take. But I think we knew in those two years, if anything slides off a little bit with Jared Goff, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. That would be the concern with Kirk Cousins. It's not, can he be really good over the next two years, which I think he can. It's, can he be good in 2021 through 2024? When you
0: don't know who the coaching staff is, you don't know what the other weapons are, sure. I think in Goff's case, I don't even know how to say this, he's more of a system quarterback than Kirk Cousins. I think, I really do believe that.
1: I think they're about the same in that way. I think that Cousins is a smarter individual.
0: I mean, but even, but I get your point because look at how many injuries that offensive line has in Los Angeles and look at what that's done to Jared Goff. Look at what Todd Gurley's regression with his knee has done to Jared Goff and has, you know, completely thrown out their playbook. Um,
1: and he that's, still averages more yards per attempt than Cousins did last year.
0: That's okay. That's I mean that's fair. Think back to the first half, and I'm wondering why he was averaging 4.8 yards per attempt. Well, it's play calling. That's not necessarily all on Kirk.
1: No, I yeah I know I know it's not. I I guess what I'm thinking of is if we try to categorize quarterbacks, what we generally do is we just start to rank them. We take out our piece of paper. We go sure. number one, Brady.
0: I never right? well, I never had, just but, to make it clear, I never had Jared Goff as the top 15 quarterback.
1: No, I, I thought he might be fool's gold the entire time, but I think we would say the same about Cousins, who has always been a mid-pack quarterback mm-hmm. with the capability and the exact right circumstances, which he has this year, to be much better. But it's Is he going to keep you in the conversation as you have to retool things going forward? If your defense continues to slide the wrong way, how's that going to look? If Stefanski leaves, how's it going to look? If Delvin Cook does a Todd Gurley and falls off the side of the earth, but you're paying him a bunch of money because they're going to sign him to an extension, how's that going to look? Right? I think that's what I'm getting at. Who's your left tackle going to be two years from now? I'm not even sure because yeah. Riley Reef looks like he's on his last legs. So my point just being that if the the circumstances right now have aligned for Kirk Cousins to be amazing and he has been and he gets credit for that. He doesn't have to apologize for having great numbers. But with quarterbacks like him, what we generally see is this this shifting up and down the rankings or whatever based on just what your circumstances are, and we see it from last year to this year. Last year, some things go wrong, and he can't even get you in the playoffs. Then this year, nothing has gone wrong aside from a Thielen injury, and here we are in 8-3, and right? So I I guess I'm categorizing quarterbacks now in my head between, okay, the GOATs, or you don't even talk about them. Drew Brees, don't even discuss it. Of course we want Drew Brees. And then there's the circumstantial quarterbacks, and then there's the dynamic quarterbacks. So your dynamics are Lamar Jackson... Watson, uh, Prescott, probably to some extent, Carson Wentz, right? And then there's your who has to have everything perfect, but they're also great when it is, quarterback. I
0: feel like there's more of those, though, that we know that. Yeah. There's more of those guys than there are anybody else.
1: Exactly. So that's like, why you wouldn't sign him to an extension, because you would say, I think we can find another guy like that for he, a $40 million less.
0: Where? the draft and you're going to have to have that guy go through two or three years to be able to get you just to the, the
1: bottom you, line of where you're at right well, now. Do you need that though? I mean, does that have to happen? I mean, maybe it depends Sometimes, on the quarterback.
0: I guess it just depends on the situation of when you'd start the guy because if you're thinking that way, you'd be drafting somebody with your first round pick this year.
1: Right. So
0: That's I mean, I don't I right? don't know. I so think if, that's a top At least with,
1: That's what KC did.
0: That is, but I also think that just given the way that things have shaken out shook out right now shaken i think shaken out um english is my first language um you might be looking at that first round pick in a different light when you talk about the other areas of need on this team like think about dalvin cook for example the extension that he's going to be eligible for comes you know the day after their season ends yep um do you want to go that route where you pay him an average of thirteen to fourteen million dollars a year because he's putting up numbers that would put him in that Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell category of average salary per year, and also kind of what they, if you go back to just historically speaking what they did with Adrian when they gave him the extension? I believe it was in twenty ten or eleven. Um, just kind of following suit how they did that. Well, what does that do then? Because then you might be looking to use your first round pick on a, on a cornerback thinking, okay, well, goodbye, Trey Waynes, goodbye, Xavier Rhodes. I mean, the quarterback, given how Kirk is playing this year, they may not say, they may not think that they need to go draft his replacement right now. Like, they may try to hedge their bets on Kirk and say, okay, we're going to sign him to an extension this offseason, and then we can use our draft capital differently because... Honestly, if they want to continue to build through the draft, which is the thing that they have touted um, with so many of their you know homegrown guys, you're probably going to be looking to do it more on defense because this defense is not going to get any better um, than it is right now. I think that the, the elder pieces of that, the, the people who have been in place more, guys who were still here on the 2017 team, th- those are the guys you're going to be looking to replace probably higher priority-wise depending on what Kirk does these final five games than getting a quarterback.
1: So I, I think the if you were going to take the approach of not signing him, mm-hmm. you have to decide soon. Um, soon being this year, at the end of the, the playoffs, you have to decide what you're going to do with Kirk Cousins. Are you going to sign him or not? Because if you decide, absolutely not. If they lose in the first round of the playoffs and you're like, look, he has done really well and he had great numbers, but it's the Alex Smith situation. If you decide on that then you can spend the first-round pick, and we've seen them have success with second-round picks too, and even seventh-round picks from time to time. So it's not like you're throwing away your whole draft. But you would say, we're going into this draft, we're going to trade up, just like Kansas City did, we're going to get our guy, he's going to sit for a year behind Cousins, and then we're turning things over to him, and we're spending that $40 on other stuff. And we're going to keep the supporting cast for this quarterback Uh, really, really good because we could spend all the money and the Wilfs love to throw the money wherever the the front office wants to send it. So the equation that you have to put together is, could the next quarterback that you could bring in, let's just say it's Tua, let's just say. Okay, so Tua, how is he going to perform? Not that I think they'll get him necessarily, but how is he going to perform two years from now? This is the formula you have to do two years from now with a great supporting cast and presumably a good coaching staff and everything else that the Vikings have always provided under Zimmer. He's going to step into that circumstance with a great supporting cast, or is it going to be Kirk with an okay supporting cast? Because by that time, I'm saying it's probably just okay. It's probably not as good as it is right now.
0: It's Thielen and Diggs, and then you're taking hits elsewhere because of the $40 million hit.
1: Assuming that Thielen and Diggs at that point are even as good as they are now. Because you have to a couple years down the field.
0: We're saying 20 Two years, and I'll be like 32. Diggs will be on the, you know, the approaching 30 will be like 27, 28. Um, I think that's something to definitely consider because it's like, what would you rather have? One shiny object and a bunch of colorful things around it or a bunch of shiny objects and kind of maybe, I don't know, I'm taking a terrible analogy right now, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I mean, it's, you know, allocating resources here is something that this team has always done really well and trying to get the best players here, and to their credit, they think you know, the players that got them to in 2017 to the NFC Championship, they retained a lot of those players. Now whether that works to get them back to that level, we'll see. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on, but I think that as you look at this, kind of just wrapping this up, next five games are going to tell you all that you need to know about whether Kirk Cousins is the answer here. And I mean, I'd go even beyond that. It's the next six games. Give me that wild card game because that's going to tell me Can this guy get this team over the hump? Um, And, you know, one playoff win probably gets you there a lot closer.
1: All right. We're going to talk with Eric Eager about this from Pro Football Focus. Should the Vikings go to Kirk Cousins right now with a contract extension? We will continue the conversation when we return. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin on Purple Daily.
5: Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can download the Score North mobile app and make sure you register for listening rewards. This month, one lucky app user will win a $200 Visa gift card just for having the mobile app. All you have to do to register for that $200 Visa gift card is download the app, register the app, and enter through listening rewards and register for your chance to win that $200 Visa gift card. Gary Kubiak took to the podium today during the bye week. Talked about Kirk Cousins' numbers that he's putting up this year. is
3: what he had to say. Well, I, I think Kirk's always put up some good numbers. You know, you go back and look at his career. You know, he's done that. But uh, I think uh, I think he's really bought into what we're trying to be as a football team and as a group. I, I think Kirk knows he's on a really good team. We can win a lot of ways uh, when we show up on Sunday. Uh, this this past weekend was a great example of that. You know, we didn't play the way we wanted to play, or have a game go the way we'd like to play it. But yet we turned him loose in the second half you know, he put it on his back and, uh, you know, led us to a big win. So uh, I just think that he continues to to understand himself better, his relationship with Kevin as we prepare to get ready for a game and we sit in those meetings and talk about how Kevin's going to call the game and Kirk gives him feedback and, and the job that, that Clint's doing with him on a day-to-day basis. I just think all those things are coming together and he's feeling much more and more comfortable each week that he goes out there.
5: That's been your score North Outlaw. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan.
1: Now joining us on the show to jump into the Kirk Cousins contract extension discussion because it's the bye week, and why the hell not? Eric, eager for pro football focus. What's going on, Eric?
4: I'm good, man. Did, did Kubiak call him Kirk?
0: Uh, he, I thought, he definitely said Kirk. I heard, Kurt. Kurt. I heard yeah, a T at the I end.
4: Know. Yeah, I know. I don't
0: know why it's so hard. you got to earn the
4: Kirk, I guess. Still, yeah,
1: I, I know. He, I'm sure he didn't do it like in the same way Bruce Allen used to, which was On purpose, blatantly calling him Kurt. But, uh, well, all right, give us your thoughts. Uh, You follow me on Twitter. Eric, you know what we've been talking about. It's the bye week, and uh, where we can take a step back and look at Pro Football Focus's fifth rated grade for kirk cousins you guys have him playing really great this year he's at the top of the league in quarterback rating like have you seen enough to extend him or do you think the vikings would say they've seen enough to extend him or should they wait and then how do you weigh the formula of paying a quarterback versus the cap space for you know and and so forth how do you process all that (laughs)
4: Yeah, the difficulty is that he's going to, obviously, if he's going to get a contract extension, it's going to be a raise over what he's currently got. And, you know, we've seen issues with the team as a whole as a result of, you know, not having the flexibility that they want. Their defense, you know, that is aging a little bit. And while they're getting, I think, extremely good seasons out of Donnell Hunter and Everson Griffin, uh, you know, they're off, you know that team was in many ways dragged up and down the field by a Brandon Allen-led Denver Broncos team on Sunday, uh, a week after uh, having a similar fate against Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. And so for me, I think I, I probably extend Kirk in w- under one condition, and that condition is this team takes a, a turn towards an offensive-minded team. And, you know, and, and what does that mean? That might mean Stefanski. That might mean Stefanski is sort of, like, elevated to that head coach role and, and, and just sort of Kubi, you know, But the, the issue is, is right now, the team doesn't necessarily want to transition away from using more resources than it should on its defense. And, it, and as a result, it's sort of in this no-man's land where they're, like, you know, not ready quite to commit to uh, what I would consider to be a sort of modern roster-building uh, setup.
0: Well, it feels like the obvious answer, if you had to choose between quarterback and running back, just if you didn't know the names here, who we were talking about would be go with your quarterback. It's, it's a passing league. It's 2019. You know where this is going with the NFL. But when you have Dalvin Cook eligible for extension following the 2019 season, I think that puts a pickle in things, Eric, because you need to extend him now. In my opinion, just given the way he's he's played and and what he's meant to this team and how focal of a point of the offense he is, because you risk when he hits free agency, he's gonna you know if he if he can continue to stay healthy, he's gonna be gone regardless. But how do you think that factors into the, like what they might do then, deciding between? Because I I just don't think given what the situation looks like in 2020 and even beyond that, when you project it out, it doesn't sound like they can sign both of them to extensions this offseason.
4: Yeah, and it comes down to scarcity at the two positions, right? And the reason that the Vikings went so, you know, headfirst into signing cousins to the deal that they did was the fact that, you know, they're consistently at least an eight and eight team or better. And they're never going to, you know, the Lamar Jackson sort of this outlier where he was taken, you know, inexplicably at 32. But the, um, you know, if you want a franchise quarterback, you basically have to draft him in the top 10 of the draft. And the Vikings are sort of never finding themselves in that position. Um, whereas at running back, as great as Cook is, and he's you know he's been the best running back in the league. Maybe you know Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs uh, have you know have done about as well as him. Philip Lindsay also in that conversation as Vikings fans on Sunday. Um, so for me, it's like well, if you have to choose between the two, Dalvin Cook's great, but like the opportunity to get a running back is always sort of going to be there. Um, you know. Cook, Cook himself was taken in the '40s in 2017. Whereas, if the Vikings want to move on from Kirk Cousins, they sort of have to hope that something like Tua Tagovailoa, you know, his his hip injury doesn't exactly give him a top ten status, or somebody falls in the draft like Lamar Jackson, and that you know it, it's it's a lot harder to find a guy to replace Kirk at his level as as much as the offense is being built to see him succeed than it is for a guy like Dalvin Cook, as good as Cook has been, and he's been great.
1: So here's the big question that I have in terms of a Cousins extension, is how do we separate... What Kirk Cousins has around him, and that goes for Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski, who probably won't be here after this year. I'm just guessing there will be a few teams that need a head coach, and somebody's going to look at what he's done with Cousins and go, okay, I am in on Kevin Stefanski, so so let's assume that happens. Let's assume that Delvin Cook is having his best year, and even if he continues to be good, being this good is going to be tough. And let's even assume that the receivers are playing at an extremely high level now too and won't necessarily play at this type of level forever. I mean, how do we separate what Cousins will have three years from now at the beginning of an extension compared to what he has right now and how much that's boosting his
4: play? Yeah, that's a great point. And we've seen in the league this season, there there are a few exceptions, Russell Wilson being one of them. I think... Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, other ones. But, you know, quarterback play is very dependent upon having a structure that works. And Dak Prescott was a quarterback that no one wanted to extend last year. Kellen Moore comes in, and now he's one of the leading the league in passing yards. Kirk Cousins was pretty bad in the second half of the last season. They bring in uh, Kubiak and Stefanski, and he's been great. Um, Stafford as well, uh, low key with uh, Daryl Bevel, so on and so forth. And I think Cousins is in that role where. If the if the situation's right, you know, like he had with McVay in, in Washington, he can be a good quarterback. The issue is, is again, as I said, like, they have to commit to an offensive-minded team, and I know it's not, like, popular or even, like, I don't know, maybe appropriate to talk about, but, you know, that probably requires elevating Stefanski, and that hasn't always worked. I mean, Tampa Bay got rid of uh, Lovey Smith in favor of Dirk Cutter um, because they saw him growing up with Jameis. Uh, we we you know we saw a team in Atlanta that didn't do that with Kyle Shanahan and I think they probably regret it. Um, so <clears throat> that to me is like if you're if you're trying to project Kirk in the future, there's there's it's hard because we've seen him you know crash and burn in wrong situations and do well in good situations. And you're right, if Stefanski is not elevated to the head coaching position in Minnesota, he's probably gone um, because the NFL really likes themselves some you know up and coming offensive lines uh, at the head coaching position.
0: So I'm wondering now, since we are on the topic of quarterbacks that will be with their respective franchises next year, uh, and part of the plans going forward, it's still a topic in my mind, and it will be for the next five, six weeks. What are the Bears going to do with Mitchell Trubisky? Because hip injury or not, it was convenient timing uh, for whichever narrative you want to follow here of, hey, we screwed up
1: He was benched, he was benched, he was benched, benched, (laughs) benched. So, okay, okay, I solved so that problem. So let's go you.
0: with that. Um, how did the Bears, because it's, see, if you have five weeks here, it seems like the best thing for your franchise to do is to play out Mitchell Trubisky to figure out what you're going to do in 2020, but clearly it doesn't look like that's the way things are going to trend. Um, what do the Bears do here? Because it totally def- affects the, the outlook of the NFC North when you're thinking about what they're going to do at quarterback 2020 and beyond.
4: Yeah, it's a terrible spot for them because not only do they have Trubisky at quarterback, they don't have a young guy behind him, and they also don't have a first-round pick next year, and that was sort of the deal. The The Khalil Mack trade was was about Khalil Mack to some degree, and he's awesome, and he continues to be so, and their defense is top five in the league in the arts for play and all that kind of stuff, but what it also, what it also implied was that you're all in on Mitch until 2021 because you don't have first-round picks, and... They traded up even in this draft for David Montgomery, so they really don't have uh, a lot of assets to replenish the team as a whole and and it, very little in the way of trading up even into the first round to get a quarterback should they like one. So it's tough for them. And I and I think um, the tough part was you watch that Sunday night game and you saw two quarterbacks who were in very similar straits. Uh, Jared Goff has been struggling in many ways because their offensive line isn't very good and the receivers are out. And you saw Sean McVay build an offense to succeed despite that. And Matt Nagy, it looked like the entire game was trying to prove a point to the owner that Mitch Trubisky sucked, and, <laughs> and they put him in position. You put him in position to fail, and Mitch continued to fail and fail and fail. And unfortunately, like that, to me, just seems dysfunctional. And I think if the Bears play Trubisky the rest of the year, that's how it's going to look. Whereas, you know, and and again, the Rams have golf long term, so they ha- kind of have to do that. But it doesn't seem like they're really bought it. It seems like they've cut bait on Mitch. You know, in their thought process, and they're just kind of playing the season out, which is unfortunate because, you know, the Bears last season were one of the up and coming, you know, great stories in the NFL, and it looks like they're going to have to start over. Uh, It's probably going to be that veteran quarterback route, and luckily for them, there's going to be a ton of veteran quarterbacks available. Is it Cam Newton? Is it Jameis Winston? Is it Andy Dalton?
0: Is it Teddy Bridgewater? None of those names.
4: Teddy Bridgewater, right. Teddy would be, uh, I I think, a a huge upgrade for them at the position.
1: Uh, talking with Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus. Well, while we're on the topic of floundering franchises, where is Kevin Stefanski going to coach next year? Because I could come up with a lot of teams that would have great reason to can their head coaches. How about the New York Jets? Of the, of course, if they offered him the job, he would take it and then take a different job and come back to Minnesota. And get it. it's an Anthony Barr joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cleveland might say, "You know what? Sorry, Kevin, we made a mistake." Wouldn't that be hilarious if two years in a row somebody said, "Sorry, Kevin, we should have given you the job before"? Um, but yeah. I could see, I could see that happening. Where do you think that would be the best position of franchises that might fire their quarterbacks for Kevin Stefanski to potentially coach? Uh,
4: the two you listed are great. I, I you know, I, I know that there's been like you know rumors around the league, like. There are other coaches that are available for that position. You know, Mike McCarthy, for example, is kind of from that Cleveland, Pittsburgh, you know, kind of area. It looks like Tomlin is right at the ship. So that position probably uh, won't be open. Our old friend Pat Shermer in New York. I don't know how long they're going to sort of deal with that. Although I think he's done a far better job um, than people give it, give him credit for another low key spot that th- that might be, um, you know, uh, possible. is detroit i know uh, you know matt patricia that team i think is more talented than what they're getting out of it they continue to lose close games i think ownership deserves a a little bit there atlanta as well so oftentimes we saw this with um we saw this a little bit in minnesota where leslie frazier was sort of more of a a, you know a a very soft-spoken guy uh and then they go with zimmer who's more of like a hard nosed guy, Atlanta, a defensive guy, and Dan Quinn, maybe they go full offense, uh, maybe with their next, next head coach, if, if they, you know, they've done well in the past couple weeks, but they'll probably, uh, not, you know, retain him. And then, you know, the hometown Cincinnati Bengals over here, uh, Zach Taylor, if he doesn't, uh, you know, right the ship a little bit, he could have an opportunity, uh, you know, to lose his job. So there's, there's a decent amount there. And, um, I think for Stefanski, if, you know, honestly, the one that would intrigue me, uh, a little bit would be, you know, the New York Giants if they were to give up uh, on Shermer be just because you have that young quarterback top 10 pick there.
0: No Dallas? You don't think he would be great under the thumb of Jerry Jones? Mm. <laughs> I personally well, think I mean, it takes it, it takes a certain kind to be able to work in those circumstances. And I mean, I'm still on the Jason Garrett's getting fired train. Uh, yeah. It
4: could be half the season. league that doesn't I mean, have yeah, head coaches. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean the issue with Dallas is that Philadelphia is like the new Atlanta Falcons, where there's just like you watch their games is the most painful thing ever, and they they seem to not be able to like just get it together. And so you know Dallas very well could win that division at nine and seven, yeah. and maybe win a home playoff game, and then of course we have to have Garrett again for another season. But the other thing about Dallas as well is that Kellen Moore may may be his heir apparent anyway. So you know that that's kind of the issue I think with Dallas is that. I don't think it's that appealing of a place for Stefanski, even though Dak Prescott has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this season.
1: Okay, Eric, before we wrap up with you, I'd love to circle back on this Uh, Every once in a while, the rightest and wrongest we were this year. It's sort of like, uh, like every quarter of the season, where were we right? Where were we wrong? Um, I would pat myself on the back for saying I would take any quarterback over Jameis Winston. That's worked out pretty well because he's awful and will continue to be so no matter which quarterback whisperer you hire. Um, but here's where I've just, it has not gone the way I thought it would was Philadelphia just stinks. Like they're just not that good and. I thought that they had a legit chance of being a Super Bowl favorite. Give us where you were the rightest and the wrongest so far in this NFL season.
4: Yeah, Philly is the great one. They paper champion uh, prior to the season. I would say for me, it's probably Cleveland. You know, when you were here uh, in July, you know, I was saying you know it's it's a lot harder to get from zero, you know, from seven wins to ten wins than it is to go from zero wins to seven wins, and we we've, we've seen that uh i think you know regardless of you know them winning their last two games i think that they're uh in a in a pool of dysfunction uh in cleveland um so that one i think we were both right on uh, and the one that i'm I, I feel sort of silly about was uh detroit uh i thought detroit had mm. a far better chance to compete in the nfc north um than than anybody else and frankly like you know that monday night football game in green bay i think if that goes the other way um maybe their season turns out differently but as of right now with their quarterback hurt, uh, they might end up being like a four or five win team. And and unfortunately that's not going to get it done.
1: Well, Eric on Detroit, there is a promo that's been playing on our station for a year where I say, I don't believe in Matt Patricia. So I guess I nailed that one too. Um, (laughs) Eric, uh, always great to have you on buddy. Uh, Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus Forecast, PFF Forecast Podcast. It is great with him and George Shahuri. Make sure you check that out. And if you want to become a member of Pro Football Focus, Go to PFF.com, use the promo code RADIO, whether you're a fantasy football person, a gambler, not that I am endorsing that, um, and uh, or you just love your team, go to PFF.com, get premium stats and analysis there. Use the promo code RADIO and you get 25% off your Elite subscription today. All right, um, in the next couple of minutes, Courtney, I want you to tell me what stuck out most to you after talking with Gary Kubiak and Rick Spielman today at TCO Performance Center.
0: Well, this is the first time that we've had any sort of clarity from Rick Spielman on the salary cap situation. It's the only piece of news that truly came out of... There ain't um, any
1: cap space. Yeah. That's zero. That's the news.
5: <laughs> None. None. Zone.
0: And were they going to be active at the trade deadline? There were some things in the works being talked about, but nothing super serious, concrete, um, any sort of way to move on from Stefan Diggs, give him what he wants, if we still have no clarity on that. Um, so, no. I mean, that's not surprising that they were not active because they're not active ever at the trade deadline with this current regime. Um, I think from Kubiak, there were a few interesting points just about Kirk Cousins. Um and the way that they talked about it with like the whole collective, it's coaching, it's, you know, playing fast, it's the scheme fit, it's all these things. Within all of that, no one ever said that, you know, this is the best that Kirk's ever played. We are all locked in, bought in on him, which I think you can't necessarily do. I, mm-hmm. we were talking about this off air. I, I get the point of staying away from that because it seems like they're still kind of holding their breath a little bit on Kirk, that they know what they have right now. They know that this is a good fit at the moment. But these coaches in this front office needs to see more, and that's kind of what I walk away from because you don't have any definite, um, definitive language saying that this is our guy. Kirk yes. is our quarterback. Right. That type of stuff. It's kind of how they played the Keenum situation a few years ago, and maybe it's a smart play.
1: It, it reminded like, me of it the way they talked about it. Well, his coaching staff's been really good this year, and I get maximize the like, skills. They,
0: you know, they, they want to spread the credit around. They want to be able to. You know, handshake and and high five and say, hey, we all got to eight and three. Yeah. Like, but there are still some things I think with Kirk that the staff, um, you know, starting with Kubiak and within his own scheme, wants to see uh, before that they honestly are able to crown him.
1: And maybe you don't want to get too hyperbolic as a GM because sure. then the agent comes to you and says, well, you said he's the best yeah, quarterback in smart. the NFL. Smart so then you got to pay for him. But also, when they used to talk about Teddy, it was much more hyperbolic. It was much more, this is our guy. This is our franchise guy. We love Probably him. Probably because the they drafted person. him
0: with the first round pick. Yeah,
1: yeah, That that could be some of it. But I also think it is kind of interesting that it is like this slow play type of approach with Cousins where you are just set up on a tee to praise the guy. He just came back from 20 points. He put up 300 yards. You're eight and three. He's, I think, second in the NFL in quarterback rating as of today. I mean, if there was ever an opportunity to just so go be like, all gushy, yeah, this would and have be been like, it. You
0: guys were all wrong.
1: Right. Yeah. Like, and that wasn't yeah. that wasn't. Now, and I would say this. Uh, I thought Sage yesterday put it really well on Kirk. Like when we've criticized them, it hasn't been like the first take type of criticism where we yell some hyperbolic, bizarro, screaming yeah. thing. It's been a thorough analysis. The same way, you know, using Sage, of course, in his experience, the same way that the front office. It would. So they're looking at the strengths and weaknesses the same way as us. Sure. They don't look at it the same way. If you're a Vikings fan, you saw Sunday, you're like, what a win. That was fun. But if you're the front office, you watch the first half too.
0: Yeah, and I mean, look look at how Mike Zimmer was after the game. He wasn't cr- saying, wow, that was a great football win. He credited the res- credited the resiliency of this team, but he had to be exhaling there thinking, how the hell do we get in this situation in the first yep, place?
1: yep. Absolutely.
0: Um, another thing I thought was kind of not interesting because truly there wasn't a whole lot that was super interesting from either press conference, but Irv Smith got a lot of praise. And I think that just for a position that was talked about being so difficult to transition to from, you know, having to have your hand in the dirt on certain plays to where he's being utilized now outside as a receiver, you know, he's he's made a big contribution here with Adam Thielen out how this passing Attack has continued to stay a top 10 offense and within a top 10 offense um, is a lot of credit to where Irv Smith has made strides. And it's just so interesting. You go back to July or August, whenever it was that Gary Kubiak said he was swimming. And now I I think, honestly, he's kind of like this year's Mark Andrews. Maybe not the same sort of statistical production, but. When you think about the tight ends that were taken ahead of him, Noah Fant, Jay Sternberger, um, the other guy that I'm forgetting about that went to um was Sternberger
1: third was he third, I think round? He was third round. Yeah, it's Fant and Hawkinson, F- Hawkinson. I'm sorry, yep. the
0: Detroit guy. Yeah, yep. I mean, like Irv Smith I think has put together just about as good of a rookie campaign as any of those guys. And to me, he's already a starting tight end. And I think it just kind of proves beyond what Kubiak and, and uh Spielman said that he's going to overtake Kyle Rudolph here shortly, if he hasn't already. I mean, they are involving Rudolph a lot, but I am wondering now, okay, Thielen comes back after the bye, let's just say, gives him enough time to heal his hamstring for Seattle. Whose role stays and whose role diminishes? Uh, There's going to be a give and take there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the way they've balanced those two with Rudolph and Smith has been really great, Yeah, but you're right that somebody's getting fewer catches. Maybe it's just B.C. Johnson Mm -hmm. is kind of... You know, goes back into what his role was before, and you say, "Well, we're really glad to have you, but unfortunately, you can't hold down that role." One last thing, I- I'm really interested to see if they activate Chad Beebe. Yeah, like what happens then? They like Chad Beebe. Is it Laquan Treadwell getting cut? <laughs> I was just about. They to activated say, Josh Dawson
0: Just get rid of Laquan again. Just keep I think throwing so. him around.
1: I think that's what they would do. Um,
0: there's no linebacker you can cut. There's no, you need all your cornerbacks you can get. Cut Sendeho. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Curse has been playing really darn good.
1: Yeah, I... I don't know. That that would be an interesting decision yeah. for them. I, I think that they probably would move on from Treadwell again, but boy, that would be a kick in the gut for him. I mean, he comes back and actually makes some plays, and then, yeah. sorry, bud. Uh Alex Boone, going to come up next. We're going to talk about his reactions to the Vikings' comeback and looking forward down the road here, what we've learned about this team, and get his opinion on a Kirk Cousins potential contract extension. We'll do all that when we return. you listen to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing
2: TV brand.
4: It's Purple Daily.
3: You know, we got a lot of eyes on Kurt. You know, you got Clinton in there, you got me in there, you got Kevin, who's coach quarterbacks, and... Rick Dennison is coach quarterbacks and I think as as coaches you're always trying to find out what your guy does best how you help him play at his his best so uh you know making quick decisions getting rid of the football in this league you know you just can't you can't talk about that enough because it's a game where if you hold the ball bad things happen so you know we just tried to put a big point emphasis on that and, and the way Kevin has called games I, I think has been the most important thing with uh how Kurt's been able to translate that to Sunday's. All right, back here
1: on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, and we welcome in Alex Boone. What is up, Alex? Matt, how are you today? I am doing well. Um, Your uh, tone in the first half in uh, the text messages I received while covering that game from you, um, it it had to have changed a bit in the second half, Alex. Tell me what you take away from a game where they played about as awful as you could play in the first half and then we're able to bounce back in the second half.
2: Boy, you find out a lot about your team, don't you? I mean, you're all the way down in the gutter, and then you've got to pick yourself up, and you've got to do it kind of quick. And, you know, for me, I found the answer to one of the questions is when you don't have a run game like you did on Sunday, what are you going to do? What's plan B? And at first, it seemed like plan B kind of stalled. And then all of a sudden, they kind of hit Denver with the same dose that they were hitting the Vikings with. They were like, hey, listen, we're just going to speed everything up, and we're going to have Kirk on the move the whole game. And then from there, he's just going to move safeties with his eyes, and he's going to have fun, and Dig's is going to run past cornerbacks with no safety help. I mean, really, to me, this game was huge in the sense that they didn't have a run game at all. Like they, the Broncos were clearly out to stop the run game, and they tried to stop Kirk as much as they could, but they couldn't. And a lot of that was because he was on the move a lot and because they were going up-tempo. And, dude, when you got a 300-pound dude in there trying to <laughs> sack the quarterback every play, like it's just you're going to wear him down within two plays.
0: I'm curious about that from a lineman's perspective when you're running hurry up. And they that's like the thing that we talked about with Rick Spielman today, the traits. He loves mentioning the traits of the offensive lineman that are fit to run the scheme. You have to be athletic, you might be a little lighter, but you're doing so much of in an outside zone scheme that's required on your athleticism that you have to be a certain build. How would, I mean, from your perspective, how tough is the hurry up scheme when you're going in two minute mode the entire second half to, you know, stay out there and be able to stay fresh as a lineman?
2: I got to be honest. That's always like the silliest thing I've ever heard is you have to be like this tinier guy to be able to run around a lot more. Like, dude, listen, if you tell me I have to run around the whole game, I'll do it. Just tell me. like, Yeah, but you're they,
0: athletic, Alex. No, like, but, you're not like a gap schemer that's like 325 pounds.
2: But nowadays, that's really not a lot. You're not really asking a lot of guys because if you notice, the ball's out so quick, and a lot of these hurry-up plays are play-action. So they're still mm-hmm. really just faking a run somewhere. You know, A lot of it is turning into, hey, we're speeding it up. Well, now we're still going to keep the same formula. We're just going to do it a little bit faster because before we were kind of letting them dictate the tempo. To me, it started out like, the Broncos punched them first, and then the Vikings kind of slipped back, and we were like, wait a minute, we didn't think that was coming. Give us a minute. And then all of a sudden they put the real game plan out there, and they were like, okay, this is what we really wanted to do. We thought we could be vanilla, and we thought that we could dictate the tempo because we have Dalvin Cook. And we talked about this on this show. It's easy to be like, yeah, we're going to stop the run game. It's harder to do it. you got to actually physically go out there and do it. And when you do, and you can like shut down half of the game plan and half the field, and you're like, hey, listen, now Kirk's going to beat us. Listen, he just did. I'm sorry. He is a good quarterback. He is officially starting to take wings. This kid.
0: On that note of play action, were you surprised he only had one play action attempt in the first half? Because we know it's 2019. You don't need the run to set it up all the time. Right. Um, that to me was the missing element uh, from that first half, and part of the reason why they had you know six six uh, drives where they you know punt, 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 and then the fumble.
2: Right. Well, yeah, and that's another thing, too, is you can't shoot yourself in the foot. Two fumbles right before halftime, and you're letting a team that's already punched you in the mouth, and all of a sudden you kind of give them another leg up. They're like, hey, listen, we'll take that. Now, the great thing about that is you didn't really get anything out of those fumbles, right? Mm Sandejo makes up for one of them, and the other one I think was, what, a field Field goal? goal. Right. So you're really walking away with two turnovers. Mind you, inside the red zone, right? You've just gotten two turnovers inside the red zone, and you walk away with three points. Like, yeah, the defense is still doing a good job. They can do better, but for me, yes, they can go out and do play action because the threat of Dalvin is always there. It's, it's not that it's, hey, listen, his performance over the last 12 weeks is so great that, yes, we are absolutely 100% afraid of you putting him out there and just letting him do that 65 times, that we will focus everything on stopping it. So you don't think that, like, the, what I'm saying is, Seattle's not looking at this like, oh, guys, look, the Broncos did it. We can do it, too. They're looking at it like, look how hard that was. Now we have to go out and do that, and we have to stop them from coming back in the second half.
1: So, Alex, you talk about learning something about Kirk Cousins in a game where they were down 20 points, and the last 99 times that happened, being down 20 at half, the team who was down lost. This time the Vikings come back and win that game. And uh, we talked about taking the Broncos seriously and that they're not a joke necessarily. I did think they made a lot of mistakes to open the door for the Vikings, but still Kirk Cousins ends up getting the job done. Uh, we put it out there today. Would you sign Kirk Cousins to a contract extension today? And almost 900 votes split right down the middle, 50-50, 51% saying no, 49 saying yes. What is your take on that? Listen,
2: I know the answer why. And the answer is that it still needs to be proven. It's hard to see because it's when you keep doing this like week in and week out, it's like, well, every week there's going to be a different answer, right? Because every week we have different performances. Now, Kirk's been on the rise, and there's no question that he is the hottest quarterback other than Russell Wilson right now in the NFL. There's no question. And these two guys are about to have a showdown showcase on Monday night. Dude, are you serious? This is about to be so fun. I
1: am ready for this football, yes. Oh,
2: my God. Please, Seattle, <laughs> do not ruin it this week by losing. I swear to God you'll just make it bad but no when you talk about it you say hey listen he's having a great great season right now now we're going into another primetime game and this is a real primetime game this last game that we just played that wasn't even a primetime game that was the Broncos and yes they have a great defense passing wise Run! They weren't even really that good, but when you're looking at them as a team, dude, they're three and seven. They're not good. I'm sorry. You can lose a lot of games by two points. That still makes you a not good team. Yeah. That's yep. how this league is. So people that are out here like they play like a seven and three team. It's funny because they're three and seven, so they <laughs> don't play like a seven and three I team. Do felt they? the same
1: way after watching them actually play. By Thank
2: way. you. You're right because you see the silly mistakes and you're like, oh, that's why they're three and seven. Like, yes, the whole game plan. In Vic's eyes was this we're gonna go out there and we are going to punch them as hard as we can. And hopefully that is enough to just stun them that we can get a big league, which they did. But they didn't account for the Vikings coming out in the second half and actually going, Okay, wait a minute, you're the Broncos, we're the Vikings, and we're at home. you don't do this to us in our house. This doesn't happen. Let's show you how we play football. Four drives right down the field. Like, they weren't even really trying at one point. It looked like Kirk was having fun. He's going to his left. He's throwing the ball 50 yards. Diggs looks like he's jogging again and just kind of like, hey, where's your safety? He's not here. That's how you become a 3-7 and seven team. Undisciplined when it really starts to count.
0: So if you extend Kirk today, that comes with a very, very heavy hit against your finances. I mean, even if you extend him... After the season, I mean, we're just using today because it's the bye week and there's nothing else to talk about. Um, do you need to, Alex, see more than just a playoff win to know that he's your answer? If you're going to sign him to potentially another three year deal and keep him here through 2023, 20, 24, um, h- how much can we expect like, for the extension to be warranted? How How much more? Like, does it have to be two playoff wins? Does it have to be getting back to the NFC Championship? Given what you've seen this season and knowing the, the circumstances of what he's in with his coaching staff, with the scheme and with the pieces around him, what is deemed worthy in your eyes of giving him that extension for, let's say, another three or four years?
2: I think it's a lot of the success that he's having now, and he has to continue it going forward. And Does it and we, have
0: to be a playoff win yes. in your eyes? Okay. Yes. I Me mean,
2: too. the problem is, though, you're all of a sudden, the, the tides have kind of turned, and we can all laugh right now about this, but it looks like the defense is actually giving us more problems than most people are like, wait a minute, what? Like, this yeah. is not supposed mm-hmm. to be yeah. happening. Yep. No, 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 no. The, oh, you, you mean offensive pass interference, not defense. This defense is too good for that. Like, all of a sudden, people are exposing the defense, and it's like, wait a minute. Kirk isn't the problem. Kirk seems to be the solution more than yeah. not. So here's the question. Going forward, you're looking at these teams, because the NFC is really tight right now. And, yeah, there some of these teams, at times, they look bad. And they have their, all have their one loss that's just like, wow, That let's forget about that game. We'll move forward. Because it happens in the league but you're talking about some really good teams going forward. Can this defense keep up? Because in my opinion, yes, Kirk is showing you week in and week out with a run game and without a run game, which we just saw. Hey, listen, I can do this all by myself, guys. Watch. We're going to speed this up a little bit, and I'm going to be all over the field, and nobody's going to know what's going on. And, yes, they still are afraid of Dalvin, but they're not letting Dalvin run the ball. They're letting Kirk throw it. Before, we were talking about how, oh, he's the greatest handoffer ever. Now we're like, wow. Hand-offer. It's true. We were, were off. Right. Now all of a sudden the formula to stop delvin 's showing up. Right. And that's yep. number one. That's a lot of that's falling on the O line. Like you got this is it's not looking good up front. Guys are getting off blocks. Guys are slipping off blocks. Guys are, you know, slantings becoming a problem. There's just things that up front are becoming a problem. And it's kind of getting in Delvin's way. Now he's still Dalvin Cook. He can still turn on the juice and run people over and do what he's got to do. But teams are making it really tough. And so you're seeing Kirk say, hey, listen, we don't need a run game. I can do it myself. Watch. Yeah, we're still going to threaten him with the play action, but I'll still get the ball where it needs to be. He looked really good in the second half. Yeah, in the first half, he was blanketed. I mean, he had guys hitting him from everywhere. And that's tough to do. And it's when all of a sudden the, the pocket's collapsing and it's you're in your own stadium and you're not supposed to be getting punched in the mouth and you are, things happen really differently until you can take a deep breath and go, listen, guys, we really need to pull ourselves out of this problem.
0: Does it feel like a no-nothing-to-lose 3-7 and seven Denver team, though? It's kind of weird that they might be, I don't know, the biggest learning experience this team had, not just from the resiliency and coming back from a 20-point halftime deficit, but... The fact of the matter is, in the playoffs, teams are going to take away Dalvin Cook. You're probably not going to have a run game, and you're going to have to learn how to win without it. In what way... Or at
1: least not through three least, playoff exactly, games. Right, Someone's sure, going someone right. to figure it out. Someone um, is going
0: to figure it out. How much of that can you pull back on, I guess, when you look back... If if they get to that point of January where this does happen again, that you can look back to this Denver game and figure, hey, there are ways to, to work around this, and it is possible to win without it.
2: Oh, I think it's going to be huge. And you would, like I said, we just saw the formula for it. Where what are we going to do? We're going to speed up our offense. We're, we're not going to dictate the tempo by pretending to run the ball. Now we're going to hit you with play actions. We're going to hit you with play action screens. We're going to hit you with the drop back. We're going to hit you with everything. And we're still going to sprinkle in a lot of Dalvin because we still have to keep you honest. And that's what's going to keep the safeties down in the box. But then all of a sudden, it's like, the, the Vikings hit the Broncos in the mouth and they had no answer for it. And all
1: it was was Diggs running by a cornerback and there was no safety help. And it seemed like... Astonishing, that, honestly. Like I Really? Just, really he's, the, he's the best receiver on the team and you forgot about him for a couple of plays? How right. does that happen?
2: And, and you hear Vic even like, dude, safety's out of position. Don't know what else to tell you. It happens. Even the pros make the dumbest mistakes. But if you watch that play, Kirk's rolling to his left. And we talked about how amazing it is that he can roll to his left. Yep. yep. But not only that, you... Everything in this offense, and most offenses, is always dictated off the triangle. The receivers always kind of make a triangle on the field somewhere. That way you're spacing everybody out in perfect example, and always an open window somewhere. But as you're rolling left, the safety's kind of rolling with them. Like, there's no way this guy can throw it 50 yards. And what does he do? He hits, he hits digs on a 50-yard bomb, and all of a sudden he's like, dude, oh my God. That was like the leak that sprung this defense loose. Like, they had no answers after that. It was like, oh my God. We were, we were trying as hard as we could, guys. We're so sorry. And you almost saw it coming. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, and, and, and that circles back to the, the record that the Denver Broncos have right. and we figure out, okay, this is why they actually have that. So let's try to project if we can the end of this season and sort of best case, worst case scenarios. Because right now your friends at ESPN, Courtney, have the Vikings at ninety two percent. That's before, nearly
0: ninety three
1: percent. Amazing math you did there. Now what uh <laughs> but what did what were they at last year? I Seventy one. I think it I was think? very high percentage. I thought it got into the eighties, and then they, they fell, fell off apart. against Chicago yeah, in and week then it, seventeen. Yeah. Right. Um, so the the second half of the season, if you're not looking at a schedule in front of you, if you don't have one of those magnets that they have, um, you know, right? Do people still have magnets that they get at the beginning of the year and put on their fridge? And like, oh, who are we playing this week? No, <laughs> internet. No. Um, okay. Well, Seattle, Detroit, Los Angeles, Green Bay, and Chicago. Um, Five uh, games great job um how many how many wins what are the toughest challenges what do we need to see to believe in kirk cousins as a quarterback that you're going to extend or does this does it just not exist until the playoffs with him like if he goes five and oh in these next five games you wouldn't say wow i believe in this quarterback i mean
0: i think you can believe in him i think that there is there's reason to say yeah like he is the answer with that but What's the point if you don't get to the playoffs? What's the point if you get to the playoffs and don't win a game? Because he has to cross the one threshold of his career that he hasn't been able to do since 2012, since he entered the league. And that's win a playoff game. I'm sorry, but going back to the offseason, that's been the bottom line that has never changed.
2: It's fair. That's a very fair assessment because you're getting paid at $30 million to win a game. Dude, it doesn't matter if you win every game from now until January. All that matters is what happens in January. And if you don't have a quarterback that can take that next step, that next, I mean, dude, there's a lot of quarterbacks right now that people are like, can he take that next step? I don't know. Another one's Dak. People are like, dude, if you want your money and you want to go on and you want to stay at the same team, you have to take that team somewhere. And this is it. And, I truly believe that Kirk is showing everybody, listen, I can really do this without a run game. I you know the threat of the run game is still there, but a lot of it is I want to be up-tempo. I want to be on the move. Let me just throw these couple passes, and then I'll get this defense quivering, and then they're not going to know what to do. I mean, this for a guy that takes a lot of hits and a lot of tough hits, he sure does bounce back pretty quick. Yeah,
1: yeah, he does. He takes As
2: of, of lately, I'm not saying that that's been his whole MO, and that's another reason why they're like, dude, what's going to happen? Let's see what happens because, yes, number one, the most important thing is we have to win a playoff game. We have to get into the playoffs and then keep going. From there, if I'm a GM right now, I'm like, listen, he's under contract next year, so I'm not worried about it. But if he takes us deep into the playoffs this year, or even takes us to a Super Bowl, or wins one, then yes, people are going to have to stop and go, listen, where there's a long time people were wondering if he was good, there it is. There's his resume. He's gotten him into the playoffs, he took him into the playoffs, or you know, he took him this far, and then everyone's going to have their assessment and their judgment off that. But as far as what Courtney's saying, yes, you have to get him to the playoffs, and you have to win at least one game.
1: Yeah, I think the reason that it's fair to judge Kirk Cousins on the success of the team is because everything is laid out there for him. Now, I know that the defense hasn't been perfect, and it, it certainly hasn't been reflective of Mike Zimmer defenses in the past, and it's shocking to see Brandon Allen launch the ball down the field and some guy come <laughs> up with it like, whoa, What? wait, wait, who just did that? Um, and the same thing goes for Matt Moore and so forth, but the Vikings are right now 11th in yards per play on defense. It's not an abomination. It's a decent NFL defense that can absolutely get you deep in the playoffs if you perform offensively the way you're capable of. You've got two elite receivers. You've got the best running back in the game. You've got two good tight ends. Irv Smith is terrific. Kyle Rudolph is showing he could still play an improved offensive line. you got Gary Dam Kubiak, who can take Brian Greasy and make him a good quarterback, or Matt Shaw. I mean, everything is laid out there for you, so if you can't win, it's kind of the rare position. Don't you think, Courtney, it's a rare position where we'd say, Actually, the win-loss, that's everything. And how far you get, that is everything. Usually we wouldn't say that. We'd say, well, you know, this team didn't have this or didn't have that, and that's the reason they didn't go so far. But I think that it does end up being fair, and we also know this from watching enough of Kirk. If they lose in the playoffs... We know what it's going to look like. I can tell you, it's going to look like the first half of the Denver game. Yeah. It's going to look just like that if they lose in the playoffs, and that's going to be on him.
0: Or it could look like the final six quarters of the twenty seventeen season, right? Where the defense 18th. lost, right? 27, 2017 season when they six final six quarters from the second oh, you half mean of the, the, the Vikings. I, I thought you yeah. meant Kirk. Yeah, no, I mean they,
1: both I, seasons I, ended poorly. Yes,
0: and I think that <laughs> honestly, I think a lot more of it would be that of what happened with that defense. Like I know what you're saying about Kirk, and I know that we judge quarterbacks on their win-loss record more than any other position in sports because they're the only ones who have that next to their stat line. When you go to Pro Football Reference or any other website, they're the only ones who are accounted for that win or loss because the money that's tied to them is just so great that you need that sort of statistical column in, in whatever it is to back... Why you're paying them as much as you are, and to back why a commit you'd make a commitment that could be franchise altering, uh, just with the, all the pieces you'd have to give up and stuff you'd have to forego upon. I mean, you heard Rick Spielman say it today; they're at zero right now. It's why even if they wanted to, they couldn't have made any trades to go get Jalen Ramsey at the trade deadline because they're poor; they don't have right. money right now. And will of be Cousins. as long as
1: Cousins is their quarterback. So
0: I think that there's there's that's valid in just the argument of you looking at a win-loss record and determining, okay, could he do enough to get you out of that rut, even when it wasn't his fault, because you are dedicating so many financial resources to him, but... The way that a playoff loss would look like, I honestly think a lot more of it just given the... T- like, they're going against Drew Brees. If it ends right now, it's it's the first weekend, whether it's a Sunday or Saturday game. In New Orleans. In New Orleans. Yikes. That's going to be really bad on this defense if they can't figure out what they're doing with their pass defense, and we tried to get a little bit more clarity on that the last few days with Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. Both said it needs to be fixed. How? How you do that over the next five games? I think that's really going to be the defining point for this defense and saying, hey, They can be as good as they once were because at this point it feels like I don't know what rock bottom is going to be for that cornerback unit because that's going to cost them games when they go against the best of the best that the quarterback position has to offer.
1: Alex, I want you to respond to the point about the win-loss record being fair. Usually it's not entirely fair to put it all on a quarterback, but in this case it might be.
2: No, I know. I think that, listen, Kirk's going to be tied to the defense, and this is how. If the defense can't hold the team to enough points and Kirk can't overcome that, the team's still going to see that as a deficit on Kirk. No matter what happens. Listen, I get that everyone's like, oh, leave them alone. They're quarterbacks. They don't care what we say. They don't care what anybody says. They're the boss. They run the show. They're Mm -hmm. like, dude, I'm the show. Got it? Got you, dude. But here's the problem. When you can't overcome the deficit that your defense can't overcome, all of a sudden the team's like, well, what good is he? If he can't score more points than the other team, what are we doing with him? And we're going to pay him a boatload of money next year, and then all of a sudden the next year we're talking about bringing him back. Like, There's so many things that are going to be tied into Kirk's performance, and a lot of it is not his. It's going to be the run game. Oh, well, The run game dictated why we were so good. Like I told you with Jerry Jones. The team can always fall back on, Kirk, you're great. We love you. Oh, my God, baby, you're the best. Dalvin's the show. Don't mm-hmm. ever forget that. So you're not numero uno. Dalvin gets paid numero uno. You come in number two. And that's exactly what Jerry's going to do to Dak in the end. Hey, bro, listen, he's the show. You're not. You yeah. don't like it? Move on.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting point about, you know, kind of even Cousins is just emerging as being the face of the offense And uh, for the rest of the season, it was entirely Delvin. And you could even argue that a lot of the success that he's had passing is because teams are so obsessed and focused on Delvin Cook, which would sort of be your like Case Keenum quotient, where they're looking at it in some ways, even though it's a better quarterback, unquestionably more talented, at, okay, Case Keenum was a top-ten quarterback in the NFL just two years ago with a great running game, a great defense, Uh, two great receivers, a great offensive mind at at coordinator. And with Cousins, it's a lot of the same things. And uh, the question will be answered in the playoffs, How uh, does your guy have the ability to raise above just his supporting cast? Because I think all the quarterbacks who ever win the Super Bowl or ever get to the Super Bowl even, at least in that year, are able to sort of elevate above just, okay, I'm... A product of my coordinator. I'm a product of my running back. I'm a product of my receiver. But it's your, if you're actually going to win it, it's going to have to be on you. And right. I think there are some quarterbacks in the league, like Matt Stafford, for example, who's kind of this way, where he's really good, he's really talented, but getting to that next level is you being at an at at, at uh, you know being able to put team team on your back and, and go deep. And I'm not sure that Cousins can do that or that they think he can. So uh, let's take a break and go through some of the things that we talked about with Rick Spielman today out at TCO Performance Center. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, and Courtney Cronin. We will return here. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North.
5: Jonathan here with the Score North download. Listen to Score North with Amazon Alexa. Just say Alexa, open Score North, and you'll hear the soothing sounds of Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd with Rami, and much, much more. Just say Alexa, open Score North. Gary Kubiak. Talked to the media today, and when asked about Kevin Stefanski's chances of becoming a head coach next season or in the future, said this:
3: "Kevin's got a bright future. He's very young, very smart. There's a couple of qualities. I was thinking about this the other day: is being able to be demanding, uh, but being very composed. Th- those are two things that I look for in young coaches. When I know for me as a head coach, when I'm looking for guys to come work for me, and those are two things that Kevin does extremely well.
5: Let us know, Vikings fans, your thoughts on Kevin Stefanski as a head coach in the future. What? What are you thinking here? Somewhere else? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter at SK North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right,
1: back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin, and former Minnesota Viking Alex Boone. Let me ask you this, Alex: Do you think mm-hmm. Kevin Stefanski will be the head coach of a football team next year? No. Dude.
2: Really? Whoa, we talked about this. Really. Dude, don't let him go. Be like, listen, oh, okay, Kev, that's right. Kev.
1: Kev. All right, th- th- you, this listen. this can't happen though. So no, let's you talk can. about it. Here is what you do: that listen. you can't hold on to his leg like Jeff Van Gundy with Alonzo Mourning and be like, just, "Don't leave me." I know, I know. I'm not saying like you don't have to
2: be all creepy about it and like that. <laughs> listen, there is a reason that some coaches haven't left the Patriots yet. Okay, because they're like, "Listen, we got a great thing here, guys. Why am I going to go somewhere else?" Waste the next three years of my career trying to put a team together that I have no say in. Why are you going there? What do you care about over there? Listen, if you really are about to leave, then you turn around to this team and say, here's a dealio. I'm about to roll out. If you don't pay me more money, I'm walking out that door. Goodbye. They're going to stop you before you take a step and go, Kev, sit down. Let's talk. What's the problem? You don't have to go anywhere. Everyone's like, you know what? I want to be the head guy. I want to be the head guy. I want to meet the coach. He's like, you know what? I'm cool with this. Oh, wait. I think Josh McDaniels might be that guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of rings there, too. And you know what? You're right. I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. Josh isn't like super rich, have a ton of rings. That's all this game is about is the rings. That's all anybody ever cares about. I just want 12 rings so when my friends come over, I can put them all on and laugh at them. Be <laughs> are like, where are your rings? See what I'm saying? Like, It doesn't happen that a good team just keeps being good because all of a sudden, everybody disbands. The defensive coordinator becomes a head coach. The offensive coordinator becomes a head coach. Everybody leaves. All of a sudden, you see this one team that they're like, yeah, we just keep the same guys every year. It's pretty weird. It is a weird philosophy, but it works. Who would have thought?
0: And I mean the Vikings though have blocked Stefanski. They have kept him around. He's First off he survived three head Many coaches. Yes. Yeah. Many Yes.
2: Many purchases, And he's
0: from a number of different coaching trees so it's not like I don't honestly think he needs more experience. I think no. that if he wants to go he should be able to go but you know, for this franchise to turn around and throw however much more money at him, I think it would have to be versus the wrong fit. So let's say it was like the Jets' job was the only one that was looking at him, or the freaking Bengals. Like you couldn't oh. pay me enough to go to Cincinnati. <laughs> like I would take a pay cut probably to not go there. But um, I was wondering night what
1: Filippo in uh, Jacksonville. He could uh, take Filippo's job twice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, oh I think, it's not going to happen though because <laughs> Steve going to be running the show decent
1: chance that they yeah. fired Doug Marone but let, let me throw, let me fire. lay this out for you if you're Kevin Stefanski though the Cleveland Browns come back and they say Kev listen no. we made a little bit of a mistake here with Freddie Kitchens <laughs> he didn't know anything about being a head coach and we love you why don't you come coach Baker get the most out of him we'll also give you Odell Beckham and Landry and Chubb and we'll draft an offensive lineman for you because my god look at that line I mean, if you're Kevin Stefanski, you've got to be like, okay, that's pretty attractive. Sure, even though it's cursed as hell, but like, it's pretty attractive though.
2: It is. Maybe the Detroit job comes open, and he goes, you know what? I I want to go against Mike every year. Or Chicago. I'm I'm just. just I mean, there's there's going to be a
1: lot of options for this man.
2: There, there is. There's going to be options for sure, and there's going to be people banging on the door to be like, Kevin. Let's come play. Come show us your offense. And he's going to be like, dude, I'm all about it. But I'm telling you, if the Vikings are smart, they're going to jump on this and be like, dude, listen, we know you want to go. Just give us one more year. Give us two more years. Whatever it is, you're going to be the head man eventually. Like They have a great chemistry going. What is to say it's not going to continue to work? And that's my problem with all this is everybody thinks it's so easy to just plug and play. Oh, new head coach. It's going to be completely easy. It's not like day one, I'm like, dude, I am 100% with what you say. Whatever you say goes, boss. It's like, all right, well, let's see what this guy's about. Out. Go out there a couple practices. Maybe they don't like him, and they're like, "Dude, what is this about? We're not this team." Look at look at Filippo here. What is this guy doing? This isn't who we are. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be great. New new coach, all this. It doesn't work like that. It hardly ever works like that, to be honest with you. If you look at all these coaches that have been fired in and out every single year, there's at least six coaches that are out. Well, their whole staff is out, and then a whole new staff is in. And there's just so much change. And all of a sudden, it's like a team that's been on the rise with so much change. Imagine what they could do with some continuity and two years in the same system or three years in the same system with the same quarterback and the same defensive coordinator. I'm just saying sometimes I get it that everyone's like, dude, I want to be the next guy, but you got to be like, Hey man, we got a great thing going. And until the wheels fall off on this bus, maybe I continue to ride this because I don't sit on the pressure seat. I don't really have to sit and answer a lot of questions. I just control the offense. I don't have to worry about clock management. I don't have to worry about special teams, defense. All the silly things, it's like, oh, my God, do I go for two? Do I go for one? Florio's going to write about it, and then everyone's going (laughs) to curse me out. Like, I care what people think because this is my team. Oh, wait, is it my team or is it the GM's team? Or is it the owner's team? See what I'm saying? There's so many things that go in when you're like, you know what, dude? I'm the OC of the Minnesota Vikings. I got a sweet running back and two great receivers. Let's roll.
0: Well, how how sustainable do you think the Kubiak aspect makes this thing? Because let's say Kevin does move on, because um, he's going to be getting calls regardless. And at some point, you know, he's been here 14 seasons. At some point, you need to move on and, and have your own thing, whether it makes sense or not, I guess, just depending upon what the who's calling. Um, can Can the offense stay intact and in the shape that it's in let's say clint kubiak the current quarterbacks coach gets promoted to offensive coordinator and gary is still on staff in that advisor role is am i am i oversimplifying that thinking that they could try at least to maintain shape of of what this offense looks like
2: absolutely they fell into a great thing right now with kubiak his son stefanski because you're right you have an outlet hey (laughs) Kevin leaves. All of a sudden, we're going to put Clinton in there. We're going to put Gary in there. We're going to do whatever we're going to do. Like, it just, they, they naturally fall into that position, right? My thing is this. You have a great thing going the way it is. And you're right. Maybe you take one little piece out of the cog and everything explodes. You don't know. It's like everyone keeps fighting about the same thing. Oh, he needs to leave and be a head coach. That's great. He should leave and be a head coach. But if I were him, I would stop and be like, man. We got a really sweet takes going right here. I got an awesome running back. There's not a lot of offenses that can boast stuff like this. There is, but they don't produce. Look at Cleveland. You're right. Say say, say, Freddie's gone, right? Cleveland calls him. Hey, listen. I got the most dysfunctional team with the greatest <laughs> talent, and you can take all the blame for them being disruptive and not producing and
1: not scoring points. Would you like the job? I don't know, Kevin. You want that job? You know what I equate it to, though, is when Kyrie Irving was playing with LeBron. And I know Kyrie Irving is a little weird, but Kyrie could have continued to play in Cleveland with LeBron and really competed for another championship because he's one of the 10 best players in the NBA. But he said, you know, I'd really rather go somewhere else to a team that maybe isn't quite as good, but I can raise the level because I'm a competitor and I believe I'm the best player in the NBA and I'm tired of it being LeBron's show. I mean, Stefanski has worked for a really, really long time when the opportunities present themselves. It's just going to be really difficult to not take that shot no matter what I think. I mean, make, Daniels took his shot, he failed in Denver, and then he went back and said maybe I'm a coordinator, right? And maybe the Indianapolis situation at that time didn't uh, play out the way he thought it was going to play out, and that's why he bailed on them. And also, wow, Frank Gregg is a great coach. Love him. Uh, But but for the fancy guy, I just put myself in his shoes and think: Well, you know, if you're that kind of competitor who would grind for this long to get your OC job, and somebody comes calling, even if maybe one of their players did just hit another player with his helmet, and maybe your owner might go to jail at any time. I think that, and maybe your, I don't know, quarterback can't. Spell you can't even his talk name, yourself into right. that job. I mean, you can't that, even talk know, yourself into taking sh- that job I would right now. though. I would take <laughs> no, it. You Here's why. First of all, I'm a millionaire. I'm rich AF if that happens. So that's number one. Number two is I've got, I've got to find out. I've got to find out if I can do it. And if not, then I'm a coordinator and somebody else will hire me. We know that.
2: You act like the wheels are going to fall off the bus tomorrow. I mean, there's nobody in in this. I'm telling you right now, they have a great record. There's nothing to say that this is not going to continue on to the playoffs. And then even into next year. I mean, there's so many pieces that are so young. I'm just saying that it would be cool. You wonder why I'm so salty about so many things. I'm like the only loyal guy in the league right now. Like, dude, where are the only loyal coaches? Oh, wait, this league's all about money to everybody and everything else. Like, some point it has to be like, dude, listen, we really do have a great, great team and they're young players in the right spots. We got a tight end that's young. We got a running back that's young. We got some young offensive linemen. Our receivers are technically young. Our quarterback could be considered somewhat young. Like this is what like this is what we want. We dream of this. It's like you and
0: finally like, get it. Like you finally right, get what why you're Why am I leaving for? it to, I, to
2: go restart and then You don't get to tell the GM what you want. You're like, hey, listen, I like this quarterback. He's like, no, I I don't. I like this guy instead. And you're like, oh, boy, this is a bad choice.
1: All right, let me uh, transition to a couple other things that were talked about today with Rick Spielman, Um, starting with improving the defense. We alluded to it about Brandon Allen putting up 20 first-half points against the Vikings and also handing them a gift interception, but we won't discuss about that. Um, and, And Spielman said basically, look, We've had issues before at times, going back in 2018 to the Los Angeles game where the Rams just shredded them, and Mike Zimmer has always found a way to adjust. He called them a fixer. Um, so, Alex, is there something you see schematically that the Vikings can do, or personnel-wise, to fix some of these issues with their past defense?
2: No, and, and you know, listen, we were talking during the game.
1: No, you played in the NFL. You're supposed to have well, these solutions, Alex. Well yeah, yeah. Okay, That's why you're we here. stopped
2: we stopped doing press and we go to zone. Figure it I mean, out. There's there's your simple <laughs> effect. We go two instead of one. What yeah, do you- no,
0: no more cover three. They're gonna right. end up like rewriting your
5: entire defense. I mean,
2: there's X getting picked on again. Like it's just dude, and Brandon Allen threw some some nice ball. And we were talking during the game and I was like, dude, listen, I get it. I don't know who this dude was either, but that was a sweet ball that he just threw in a tight window. Like they're making some really good plays against X, and I get X's frustration at this point like dude, you could not have put that ball any tighter and he did it and it's like wow, that was incredible. But they're also they're picking up. It's like, hey, listen, he's going to be a physical cornerback. That's what he's good at. And this league is changing and I told you guys this was a bad idea to get all these DPIs involved because now all these cornerbacks are like, dude, I don't even know how to play football anymore. They, they've had e-. to
0: change the way they've played the position Everything. 100%.
2: Every, and here's what's, and and this just hit me this last weekend. Why do we continue to look at these plays where guys are holding guys and hitting guys and holding their arms? And we're like, well, you know, yeah, he's kind of holding it, but it's not too egregious. Dude, that's DPI. You guys wanted all these rules, and now here you're looking at it and you're going, well, I mean, I guess it's not too bad, right? I mean, he could have caught that with one finger. He should have. I mean, this is making football not fun again, and it's making these press corners who used to make it look really fun because the guys had to fight for balls, and it made the game competitive, and a 50-50 ball was really a 50-50 ball. Now it's like, dude, you can't touch a receiver. You can't get close to him. Harry got called against Jason Wynn. He didn't even touch him.
0: That was, they knew. I think they knew that was a blown call, though, right? But like still...
2: That's what I'm saying. Like We're talking about getting all this right in here. We're talking about all these blown calls or all these missed calls. And it's like, dude, defenses have, have had to literally go about the mindset of bend, do not break. We've talked about it on this show. Between the 20s, you yeah, dude, they're going to be open because you can't touch them. You can't even get close to jamming them anymore. You can't even blow on the back of their neck while they're trying to catch the ball because the ref's like, dude, that's not fair. Like, they're taking the physicality and the competition of this game out, and it's making everybody have to play zone, and it's making it easy for these quarterbacks to get stupid yards.
0: Yeah, NFL likes offense, and they like putting up... They They sure do. Yeah, but (laughs) well, think of it this way, because I'm wondering now, if they can't change it just in the approach of the technique itself and how you play cornerback, because you have five games left, and, and that's just not a lot of time to truly transition the way somebody has been playing their entire career... How much of it, let's say they get Linville Joseph back, I don't know, I initial initial read I got was four weeks. It seems like they're not getting enough push up front, especially on third down, from their interior pass rush, which is making them so vulnerable on the back end. Do you think that the the fix here, if it's not just the cornerbacks themselves, and, and we know they're a good red zone team, and when they get in there, that's when they actually can turn it up a little bit. Right. Um, Is it going to start with a pass rush making this thing better? Because, yeah, the ends are rushing well. Daniil and Everson are playing fantastic. But... Putting Shamar Stefan next to Jaleel Johnson and asking Jaleel and a rotation of him, Afadio Denebo, Steven Weatherly, um, that's a little different than having, you know, a Pro Bowl nose tackle in there who is able to generate that interior push and, and complement pretty well off the of three tech next to him.
2: Oh, agree. One hundred percent. And if, if you look at some of the best defenses, it's the ones that can push from the middle and the edges. Because you're right, when you can just push from the edge, quarterback just steps up. He's like, dude, you just made my job easy. I stepped into the throw. Mm-hmm. The problem is when he goes to step up and he hits the back of an offensive line. Helmet and he's like, listen, guys, we're all getting too close to me. And you're like, oh, bro, listen, Glynvall's on a point today. Like, he's going. I agree. But I think a lot of it, too, is the scheme that people are playing these guys. It's quick throws. There's not a lot of offensive lines that can hold up with this Vikings defensive line. I'm just going to be honest. Even their backups are showing up. And they showed up against the Cowboys. We saw Odenabo show up on the, what, the second to last yep. play of the game in yep. a huge way. Like, dude, that's a backup. When backups used to come in, and we've talked about it on uh, Phil's show, about what um, Phil Jackson used to talk about. you got to kick a a backup in the face or whatever. you got to go crazy. And here they're showing up against all pro players. You're like, dude, this is actually not that bad. I think a lot of it is the scheme against them. Quarterbacks are like, listen, catch and throw. Get the ball out of our hands as soon as we can. If we're going to have long passes, we need to play action out of it. And third, that's the biggest thing right now. If we're going to have a long pass, I don't want my quarterback standing back there. Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin, are you kidding me? You can't chip them enough. You can't block them enough. You can't slide to them enough. Dude, Daniil's like throwing people out of the way. It seems to me like a lot of the offenses that are doing really well are like, hey, listen, catch and release the ball to my playmaker.
1: Yep, that's right. And uh, Daniel is number one in the NFL in quarterback pressures this year, which is no surprise What, D
0: Ford's like right underneath him?
1: Um, I had a couple of questions for both of you about stuff that is not the Minnesota Vikings, uh, but it, do you have anything else, Courtney, that you want to talk about from Spielman and Kubiak today? You good? You want anything else?
0: No. I actually I was just remembering that stat. So yeah, Daniil leads the league right now with 71 pressures. Yeah. Last year, the most was D Ford at 78. But that was the whole season. Wow. We're at week 12 now. I that's, thought that was uh, kind of yeah, interesting.
1: That's crazy. And you'll definitely pick up a few more with Russell Wilson running around. Whether you get yeah. him or not, I don't know. <laughs> but you'll <laughs> definitely pressure him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was funny, I was listening to Dan Lebitard this morning when I was driving out, and he was debating whether you should talk about the MVP race yet or not. I think that uh, it's always fun to talk about the MVP, whether it's you know mid-season or at the end of the year. Uh, Alex, I, I think it's Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, and then everybody else. How do you yes. view the uh, MVP race?
2: 100%. Maybe throw Christian McCaffrey in there, too, just because this dude is awesome to watch run the ball. But I, I agree. I think that when you're looking at this, Lamar Jackson has shocked Everybody. From what we saw last year to what we're seeing now, and that is a heavy dose of Greg Roman to introduce, but this guy is actually putting the ball where it needs to be. He can control the game. I mean, he's fun to watch. But at the same time, on the other side of the country, Russell Wilson's doing the same exact thing, and he's making it look really, really easy, and he's having a good time doing it. So I think when you look at it, it really boils down to those two guys.
0: Well, I think of the, the thing with Wilson, too, is think about how many injuries he's had and how many playmakers have been sacrificed this season. He lost his yep. tight end. He's got about two wide receivers. Um and, and there's still kind of a run first mentality. Like thinking I kind of equate it not that I'm putting Stefan Diggs in the MVP conversation, but it is really remarkable what he's doing a on a run first team to have 880 yards through 11 games. Um and also b in in light of Stefan or in light of Adam Thielen's injury, he's been tremendous so I mean I think I look at it like Russell Wilson with that in mind just thinking how many times he had to play with his hand tied behind his back mm-hmm. but at the on the other side of it when you look at Lamar Jackson what he's doing is, is you just don't ever see it I mean that's like these are this is Michael Vick in, in his prime yeah like that's something I think should be celebrated and certainly should take into uh consideration when you're looking at the overall body of work but it is kind of nice that we're at this week 12 was with, with the, the how many weeks 5 weeks left Five, yeah. um that the, the race is kind of separated now because i think it took the, the- the Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson head-to-head matchup to push one way ahead of the other. So,
1: Lamar Jackson, the crazy thing in comparison to someone like Vic is just how much better he's throwing the ball than yeah. Vic did. Vic did the one year with Philly, and this is kind of what Lamar is doing. 106.3 quarterback rating. He's got a solid 66% completion percentage, over 8 yards per an attempt. Everybody said, oh, the guy can't throw the ball, can't throw the ball, and he has certainly proven that he can throw the ball. And I enjoyed him laughing about about the four touchdowns, saying, oh, that was pretty good for a running back, um, which I, I really appreciate that. Lamar Jackson, this is sort of like a mini Hot Routes we're doing right now, but like Lamar Jackson, to me, has already put himself in the category of the most exciting players to watch play football that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, what he did last week to Houston's defense, breaking like seven tackles on one play, this is a quarterback doing that. He threw the ball sidearm underhand to a guy that was 10 yards down the field. I mean, I don't know about you guys, I think that I'm putting him in that category of just players who are freakishly great, who kind of break the game, like Dion, like Barry Sanders, like Vic, because I've never seen anything like it.
2: I would agree with that, and I think that nowadays it's hard to be like that. Yeah. Especially because defenses have such fast linebackers, their D linemen are getting smarter, they're getting faster, they're able to contain players. It's like people just slip and fall off of him when they go tackle him. It used to drive me nuts watching Russell Wilson on the field because nobody could ever bring him down. and You'd be like, dude, just grab him. They're like, dude, if it was that easy, you go do it. You're like, (laughs) all right, good point. But But watching him do it, he does it effortlessly. And this offense that... I'm telling you guys, you haven't even reached the tip of the iceberg because there's so many more plays that you haven't seen. Like All these plays that they're running brings back so many memories. The plays that we used to run and like Swimmo and all these plays where you're pushing it to the middle linebacker way across the field and all of a sudden it's just the quarterback and the linebacker. And it's like, dude, if you can catch me, you can have it. But you can't because you're just they so slippery and they're sleek and they're fast and they just make it so fun.
0: Well, doesn't it feel like the NFL is transitioning to – Wanting the playmaker at quarterback, doesn't it feel like that's kind of the era that we're going in? Because take a look at the next at the draft class. I mean, is that not what Tua is? Yeah, but you saw what
2: happened with Tua. I think that you. you,
0: What happened with Tua is Nick Saban should never have had him out there.
2: I agree, but I think that that's the the bad side of it, right? So there's two types of GMs, and, and everything starts with your quarterback. Do we have a pocket passer, or do we have a guy that likes to roll around and move? And for the most part, your offense is based off of that one guy. Hey, listen, you fit well into this scheme because, you know, you're whatever. So. The league right now is definitely more pocket passers. I think that it will always be a pocket passer league because they like to see the receivers run in the big plays. right? They don't. When you're looking at this, GMs are like, listen, man, one hit and that guy's done forever. And then all of a sudden you get into terms of like, hey, we've paid him a lot of money. Now it's like, well, now he's not running as much. Well, that's why he's so crazy. That's why he's so good. Is because he can run when he doesn't have to throw. Like, hey, listen, I'm going to give this three seconds, and if nobody gets open, I'm gone down the middle, and you can try and catch me. That's fair. A pocket passer is like, oh man, if I don't get through all my reads, so open. I got to throw it out of bounds. So there's, you know, both are good. Both can get the job done. It's just what's the what type of team is it? What's the GM thinking?
1: Okay, last question for you guys. Um, Tom Brady not playing super great. That Patriots offense looked pretty hideous against a Eagles defense that has generally been terrible this year. Do the Patriots have a good enough offense to win the Super Bowl again?
2: What do you think, Alex? Dude, I'm not. I am not talking say it. about the goat. Just go oh, no. there. Just go I'm not there. Just Listen, go I'm going to tell you like, you're, be, like, you're
1: not held accountable for anything with like no, a <laughs> hot route type of thing. It's it's just like, just, a, no. it's just a take.
2: I'm, I'm not going to say that about the goat. He's the goat, dude. Dude, for, like six weeks ago, Joe Thomas was fighting uh, with somebody on Thursday Night Football. He was like, "Listen, I see a little chink in the armor," and somebody blasted him like right away. I think it was uh, who was the receiver for the Panthers, uh, Steven Smith. He was killing him. Like, don't you talk about the goat like that? But all of a sudden, it's kind of showing up a little bit. People are like, "Yeah, maybe Joe Thomas wasn't wrong." Like, it's the goat though. People feel bad even saying like, "He he, no, he's going to be fine. The offense is fine. They'll they'll win the Super Bowl with him." Well,
0: I also think too it comes down to that AFC Championship game because if Lamar Jackson's going to do to New to New England's defense what he did in Week Nine, then you have a different team going to the Super Bowl. So whether Tom Brady and, and the offense can keep up with that, sure. But Lamar Jackson might be able to outdo that just with his own. What? They put up 500 yards on the number one defense in the NFL that week.
2: Okay, but isn't Could it. they do it twice,
1: though? I was going to yeah. say, isn't it like in a the thing playoffs. we've heard before? Wasn't it? Somebody far. killed the Patriots one time before, and then they came back a couple of weeks later and, and stopped them in the playoffs. It's just sort of typical Belichick. And I mean, that's yeah. what
0: they do. They change who they are. I mean, the Ravens are going to be a triple option team the entire year right the the Patriots will probably end up becoming watch they played so much man they're just gonna become a zone defense like it <laughs> switch it switch in one week
5: yeah, yeah.
1: It, it's amazing what they're able to do and it seems like I don't know how, what like Alex when they have guys who are standing up and mosing around before the snap like how much does that mess with you because it seems like they love to do that to and, and it's screwed with the Eagles a little bit they did it to the Vikings last year
2: It's hard because you have to know who's down and who's not. And before you go into the game, like certain people, obviously, if you're a 90 jersey, you are always considered down. But there are some like 50 numbers. And once you get those guys walking around, dude, it can be a real cluster out
1: there. Alex, always great stuff. You're going to be on with Rami on Thursday. That'll be. I just found that out. Wait not to tell me until the very end, bro. All right, I see. Don't you have to be ready to read and react? Isn't that football thing like (laughs) halftime adjustments, midweek adjustments? I thought this was easy for you. Super excited to do it up with Rami. Emotional players, they're just tough to deal with. Uh, All right, thanks, (laughs) thanks, Alex. Uh, Thank you, Courtney. I'm off the rest of the week, so we'll see you guys back here on Monday. Thanks for listening as always to Purple Daily.